back listener today we are talking about the goonies the goonies a childhood favorite of so many people kind of a classic 80s even though not directed by spielberg often associated with the spielberg aesthetic and uh themes of innocence question mark <laughs> question mark coming of age Co- coming of age for sure yep um, um themes of weird deformed men <laughs> yeah um there's there's no way around it because i'm sure i'm sure we've entitled this one something like a Goonies interpretation of or a, Fro- a Goonies interpretation a Goonies interpretation of Freud uh, a Freudian interpretation of the Goonies because this movie is just ripe with like themes of Freudian sexuality and it, and and Sean and I agreed to watch it with that hermeneutic uh, it's been a while since we've used that word but that means like a specific way of interpreting something of uh, reading into it, so we agreed to watch The Goonies with that hermeneutic when last week we were talking about the fact that we wanted to do The Goonies next, and we just kind of we kind of just looked at each other, and we just sort of said the word "one-eyed Willie," and, <laughs> and we just kind of started laughing about it, and then then we kept laughing, and then we like kept saying "one-eyed Willie," and something it just like struck us that it's like that's a that's kind of a nickname for a penis. Like, that's like a colloquial nickname for a penis. That's kind of an odd thing to have a character. And the fact that they're searching, they're going on this quest into, <laughs> a, find... into a cave to, to find One-Eyed Willie and all his riches. His rich stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was at that moment that we were like, wow, this is just from that little bit. We were like, oh, it seems that there's a Freudian theme. Yeah. I mean, the very fact that its name is One-Eyed Willie kind of lends itself to that interpretation. But I think even knowing that, I didn't anticipate how much evidence there would be to support that hermeneutic upon watching it again. After about 10 minutes of watching it, I was like, I can't keep track of all of these. So I had to grab a piece of paper (laughs) and I just started writing down all these things that... And then as I began to watch it like that, I began... There began to be like little moments where it's like, why was that single line necessary in the script it paid uh-huh. it didn't add to like the plot and then it's like then like analyzing that line i'm like god i think i think this is about erectile dysfunction <laughs> i feel like i know the line you're talking about is it the line at the end when um <laughs> at, at the very end andy andy mm-hmm. whom uh the protagonist mikey kissed mm-hmm. in the in the shadows of the dark cave yeah she says something like um, if you keep kissing girls like that, the parts of you that that don't work so good are going to catch up to the ones that do. Yeah, wow, that it wasn't it wasn't that line. That's not the line I'm thinking of. But when I heard that, I was like, God, that line is graphic. Like to to me, that line was basically her saying, like, you're not you're too young to get boners, but soon you will. It's like God, I can't believe that grown men wrote this movie. I have a theory yeah, like about they had to, they had to know. Yeah. Um. 
<laughs> but the line I'm referring to that has to do with erectile dysfunction is when they find Chester Copperpot, or is that his name? <laughs> yeah, Chester Copperpot. Very similar name to the penguin. The penguin's real name, Oswald Coddlepot, or something like that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that guy, he represents something. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not ready to go there just yet. <laughs> and when I said he, I meant Danny DeVito, not the <laughs> Danny penguin. Danny DeVito in general. <laughs> he represents something. Uh, something of the just generic human psyche. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like, he's a new archetype. <laughs> well, I guess that what's the wild man is kind of an archetype, right? Like lives on the edge of society. Yeah, That's, yeah. Uh, whatever. Um, so, so they're in the cave and they find Chester Copperpot and they're like, open his wallet to see if it's him. And that could have been easy enough. Just open it. Oh, there's identification. This is Chester Copperpot. But Mikey just like grabs a baseball card and he just goes Lou Gehrig. And then he yeah. like, and then he like puts it away. And Lou Gehrig, aside from being an amazing baseball player is famous for uh, contracting what is now known as Lou Gehrig's disease, but I think is ALS, um, mm-hmm. which is the degenerative kind of neurological disorder that like, that I think Stephen Hawking has perhaps, or he has yeah. some form of it. So like had he's dead. Oh, that's right. Why did I think yeah. he was alive? That man. <laughs> they made that. They made that movie about him, yeah. and he seemed so full of life. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> Redmayne, <laughs> who I think is overrated, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that guy sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so Lou Gehrig, Lou Gehrig. You know, it's like this, like prime, this like prime athletic body that just like shrivels into like nothingness because. Because of something he has no control over. And for me, that was like, that's like this, like, I, I feel like as kids, sometimes as boys, as young boys, uh, I remember learning about Lou Gehrig and it's like the tragedy of Lou Gehrig. <laughs> like, he was mm-hmm. an amazing specimen and then through no fault of his own, he lost his prowess. And to me, that seemed like a, it's, it's like a, a, an early boy's fear of what can happen to the body. Like, it can lose its prowess. And to me, it just like, it was like a, it, something like, like Lou Gehrig is to children as erectile dysfunction is to grown men. <laughs> because that that line serves no plot purpose. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. So it has to have a deeper meaning. <laughs> I never thought about that. I thought it was just like, oh, like this guy was <laughs> searching around the time of Lou Gehrig. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah i mean it's it's on a dead guy too so there's that increasing sense of decay yeah luke Gehrig in conjunction with decay yeah and so like that was one of many many moments that i just think it totally confirmed for me that this movie is it was an intentional attempt to kind of superimpose like some of freud's deepest themes onto a coming of age movie which already kind of has those themes and so when we say freud's deepest themes are we talking about like an adolescent male's like search for his uh sexual identity i think so like i, I think when i use the word freud uh, I, I think i use it kind of <laughs> the word freud, the word freud. <laughs> <laughs> i definitely use it kind of generally i think i think sean you understand some of the nuances more so I, i'd love when we get into Perfect. this uh uh, here you step in if at any point I'm just like, Freud, like sex. Boys finding <laughs> what sex means. Yeah, sex and penis, pretty much. Yes. What it comes down to. Sex and penis. Uh, so many, so many penis moments in this movie. Even words. And, and neurosis, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sex, penis, and like struggle. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I've, I've found a couple. There's some obvious ones that you know we can definitely get into that you know even our listener couldn't disagree with. But uh, there's also some subtle ones like when Mikey first. I think it's really about you know Mikey's quest for sexual identity Aston. yeah right? I, I think so I, at one point i was like who is the main character it, it's definitely mikey the whole thing's from his point of view but some of the side yeah. characters have have very strong arcs of their own sure um, yeah but yeah it's definitely it's mikey's how did you word that uh <laughs> mikey's sexual quest sexual adventure <laughs> <laughs> into the deep goonie <laughs> what does that word mean that's a good question. I don't know just yet, but I hopefully we figure it out. Like that's are you aware of that being a word outside of this movie? No. I'm not either. Yeah. I don't know if the Goon Docks was like a real or is a real place in Astoria or they mm. just like made it up because it sounded good. Interesting. Yeah. But when he he first mentions one-eyed Willie, he gets like really excited. He's like one-eyed <laughs> Willie. <laughs> and his next line is uh. Or he says, yeah. he was the greatest pirate of his time. My dad told me all about him once. It's like, oh, the sex talk. His dad uh, gave him the sex talk once. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad you picked up on that. I missed, I totally missed that. Yeah, that, that's the classic like dad thing to do. Just like one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> he told me about him once. <laughs> Yeah, and then he gets into the story, and it's, like, all about, like, Willie and this treasure and just, like, this sense of, like, freedom and adventure. But the fucking British find out about Mm -hmm. this, and they surround him and trap him into this cave. And, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that British people tend to be sexually repressed. So (laughs) (laughs) You're right. They trap him. Yeah, they, you cannot they come out. They repressed one-eyed Willie, and Mikey is still feeling the after effects. So he has to go on a quest to find him mm-hmm. in order to find that that treasure, that that one-eyed Willie life energy that's been yeah. <laughs> repressed into the shadow of the id due to the British super ego that yeah. all we Americans have inherited. Yes, which is, uh, 1632 pre mm-hmm. pre US. Yeah, and you're right. We have inherited that because even that that fear and that. Um, uh, I don't want to use the word yet, but um, I'll get to it in a second. This, this certain word that at one point is to describe is used to describe a certain sense of the sexual awakening when we see Brolin. Who's Bro- what's Brolin's name? Brand. 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 Kiss Andy. Everyone starts going shame, shame. Yeah. They start yelling shame. Right. <laughs> like a shame. <laughs> like a kiss is something to be ashamed of. Like how dare how dare your sexuality come out. Yeah, they're just kids. Like, they didn't choose to think that. That's been downloaded into their minds from exactly. this repressed culture due to the <laughs> the trapping of One-Eyed Willie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think I think it'd be a good idea because we've kind of started getting into the plot. I think this is a good one to just go through plot, like, beat by beat. Yeah. Because I feel like um, it's, a little, it's a little confusing. Eh, not really. <laughs> boys are looking for a treasure. Yeah, boys are looking for treasure. There's bad guys, these bad Italian people, mm-hmm. and their deformed brother, mm-hmm. who's actually a good guy. Yeah, there's so much there. Um, <laughs> so basically, the movie starts with um, one of the Fratelli brothers, which Fratelli is the Italian word for brothers, uh, which, I, which I think is kind of funny. They're the brothers' brothers. Um, one of them is escaping from jail. And with the help of their mom, otherwise known as Mama. 
Mama. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't get a first name, does she? No. She's just Mama Fratelli. <laughs> Mama Fratelli. Which, <laughs> that, I mean, th- that could, you could go so deep into that. Um, oh, they have, shit, you're they right. Have, they have these brother issues that reminded me sort of of the story of the founding of Rome and the brothers Romulus and Remus and how they tried to rule jointly, but Romulus ended up killing his brother. <laughs> And then the, the city of Rome was named after him. <laughs> so, and they're always kind of quarreling. Like they, they sort of have this like weird quarrel that goes on, which includes them at one point pointing guns at each other. Right. And here's the thing about them. I realized they're a little older. They're older men and they're able to wield a gun. They're each able to wield a gun, but neither of them are terribly competent with the gun. They misfire it. Sometimes they drop it. <laughs> like so like if the gun is a phallic symbol in this movie, which I do believe it is because of one other very <laughs> funny scene, uh <laughs> the Fratellis sort of represent this like matured but not yet mature use of their piece. <laughs> Yeah, because they're also looking for one-eyed Willie's rich stuff. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so, like, they they haven't yet like like just gotten to that like kind of like uh, like Aristotelian like end like telos of like a mature, well understood sexuality that is beautiful enough to sail off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. So they are, but they're older. So they so they have this like aggressive, unwieldy sexuality. Yeah, and the love for the mother, like you were saying. Yeah, like, the love which, for the mother. Yeah, which I don't know what Freud's term for that specifically was, but um, he talks about the um, what's the what's the myth? Um, uh, Oedipus. Yes, is that the one? Yeah, the Oedipus complex. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> where apparently every male in the world is in love with his mother and wants to kill his father at a deep, <laughs> unconscious level, exactly. and Freud would just like sit people down in like a therapeutic <laughs> setting and like gradually convince them that they thought that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, and the mother, Mama, in this movie, she's she's the leader. She's strong, and they oh, yeah. they follow her big time. There's no mention of a father either. No, there's not. They probably killed him. They probably did. <laughs> Maybe he's the one. There is a dead guy in this movie. The stiff? Who, the stiff, yeah, who shot in the head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they, they mention um, when the boys are like hiding behind a rock and they're loading the body in the car, they say something like, um, like you didn't have to kill him, mama. <laughs> and she's like, he was a fed. <laughs> <laughs> he was a fed. I love that woman. She's, Me too. She's so good. She is amazing. And apparently, I, I don't know if I've ever shared the story. Apparently, that lady in real life was super nice. And like, she was like so nice to the kids when they were making the movie. <laughs> and she just plays this hilariously evil woman. <laughs> so, um, so, the so, Fratellis. Yeah. And kind of the background of what's happening is this rich man <laughs> who has a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah. It's foreclosing on the like entire town of Astoria to make it into a golf course where his I think it's like this region of the town called the Goondocks where like oh. his pretentious son is like mm-hmm. like thinks they're all losers and weirdos. Troy. Troy. Oh, was such a bro. Such a bro. I didn't even think about it until now, but Troy was penetrated by a horse. The city of oh, Troy. You're <laughs> if, right. If we're going back to Greek mythology. Yeah, and there is that part where Troy gets shot off of his toilet and is in a kind of prone and very vulnerable position. And he screams the word. Do you remember? Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) That was the moment that, like, 
utterly sealed the deal for me that this movie is cannot be interpreted in any way other than a deeply Freudian way. <laughs> and before he gets shot up out of his toilet seat, he's reading the magazine Guns and Ammo. Guns and Ammo, like trying to be uh, that that masculine type of guy with that bravado, but really he's just this this little kid who screams for his daddy. Yeah, like I I am so I absolutely need to find a like a just a Freudian like the the deepest like living Freudian today and just like I need to watch this movie with that person. Yeah, I really right. need to see what their reaction would be. Yeah, it's got to be one of the most Freudian movies ever made, other than. A Dangerous Method, which was about Freud. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. So if, in case oh. our listeners kind of thinking like, oh, you guys are stretching, whatever. Let's think for a moment about the part when we get to the, the goondocks, all the characters are introduced in this kind of escape montage where the Fratellis are finding their way out. And um, they all converge at Mikey's house, all these kids. And, you know, we get the backstory that things are about to close. And Chunk, this kind of klutz fat kid, which Mm -hmm. as a quick aside, one thing I appreciate about this movie is that they just have no reservations about making fun of him for being fat. Yeah, exactly. Very 1980s. Yeah, bringing strong attention to him, like literally just flopping his belly fat around and making weird noises as the characters just laugh at him. (laughs) The truffle shuffle. That's like famous (laughs) now. It's famous, yeah, and like I'm sure no one cared at the time. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's funny." If that came out now, like that would, there'd be like a fucking like nationwide protest about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'd get bad. Anyways, uh, Chunk is a klutz, and the first thing that he knocks over is a statue. Yeah, this like statue that is Mikey's mother's statue, and they find out that only <laughs> one piece of the statue has broken. <laughs> it's the statue's penis. It's like literally the penis, and Mikey yells, "That's my mom's most favorite piece." Yes, <laughs> and at one and point, for at least three minutes, maybe four minutes, they're trying to reattach it, mm-hmm. and they end up reattaching it incorrectly. Exactly, <laughs> they don't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> they reattach it to where it looks like it has a boner. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's like a like an like an inexperienced person's image of like that must be what a penis is like. <laughs> uh, and I think it's it's really funny um Corey Feldman mouth in this movie. Um he when when Mikey says that's my mom's most favorite part, he sa- Corey Feldman says something like, "Yeah, of course it is. Otherwise you wouldn't be here." Yeah. He does this amazing thing. He like acts like he's drinking and he just goes, "Wouldn't be here if it wasn't." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Corey Feldman does an amazing part and amazing job in this movie. Um he really does. And I want to get into him later, him and, and his personal life a little later. Uh, yeah. And anyway, so we'll get into that later. But um, that's not the only point in this movie where a it's it's indicated that a penis is responsible for making human beings. Because <laughs> like that, Im- that basically implies like it's your mom's most favorite part and therefore you exist. And later, <laughs> when we meet Data's father, <laughs> do you remember yes. what he says to Data? <laughs> I do. It says, uh, you're my favorite invention. You're my favorite invention. Like, I am responsible for inventing you. First of all, like, making him a little Marxian here, like, a person is equivalent to a machine. Um, But also, like, not like, I don't know, we just don't speak like that in in normal society. Like, I don't, someone doesn't really make someone else. Like, Like, sex is an act that can lead to offspring like 
you're not like created by like a penis <laughs> and the fact that like eh, whatever it's reading too much into it but like they both data and his father have these weird protruding things uh oh yeah they just kind of shoot out from their belt region <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> like the pinchers of peril that end up grappling pantaleone's balls that's right pantaleone's chomped right in the balls and the fratelli brothers when they're uh crossing the log due to data's slick shoes Mm -hmm. they each do backflips or slip and fall right on their balls exactly just kind of lie there just in extreme agony yeah and all of that is like you can just chalk that up to that oh that's playful like movie tropes but like when it's when it's superimposed with all these other moments that are like not like tropish <laughs> like come through deep dialogue it's like all of this was just super intentional yeah man other moments that come to mind um so i mean i think just basically you know uh, real quick you know their part of the town is about to be destroyed i love that at one point mikey when he's referring to these golfer guys he's like yeah their balls will never get out of the sand yeah, that was another one that mm-hmm. stuck out to me. <laughs> They'll never get their balls out. Like, <laughs> see, and he really emphasizes balls. Yes, he really They'll never did. get their balls out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what are you saying, dude? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, basically they have to go on this treasure hunt now to find the, the treasure from, <laughs> from One-Eyed Willie. <laughs> There's also the moment when um, they're up the stairs in the attic right before they find the treasure map. Mm-hmm. And Mouth Mouth positions himself behind a painting of like a woman or I don't know if she's a naked woman, <laughs> some kind of old Victorian era looking uh-huh. painting. And he like sticks his tongue through mm-hmm. it and is making like really sexual calls toward Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> saying like, you know, Mickey, come here. Yeah. I don't know what he says exactly, but it's like another instance of like the sexual adventure yeah beckoning to mikey there were so many moments in this movie where mikey is walking through either the attic or the cave and he like something spooks him or startles him and it's almost like he's like he's like on edge because he's right at the cusp of sexuality and he doesn't really get what it is and all these like uncontrollable factors are like shocking him and like scaring him and that was like a moment where it's like, oh, like, I can't look at that. I don't get it yet. I'm afraid. <laughs> That's right. Because he like rips that painting off and like screams at mouth. Yeah. He's like not ready to accept it. And some of that, I think, plays into this like whole th- theme of like when they're going through the cave, they're, what is it? Like they're, con- <laughs> I wrote this down. They have constant wonder and realizations that they have an effect over these forces that they can't control. So, like, in the cave, they're constantly, like, stepping on these booby traps, booty traps. That was just, that was maybe kind of funny, but still sexualizing it. Yeah. And, like, at least, that's said at least eight times Mm -hmm. throughout the movie, booty traps. Yeah. I think even the Fratelli brothers might say it once. (laughs) They do. (laughs) So, they, like, they're constantly, like, stepping on these booby traps, and it's like they're amazed at them, but they're like, oh, no, like, we have some we have some kind of effect on these things that are just out of our control. Almost mm-hmm. like, almost like you might describe like sexual desire where it's like someone doesn't necessarily say like, I will, I will have a sexual desire for this. It's just like, they just have it. And yeah. Like, it just kind of like comes up and it, it can be threatening in its power. Mm-hmm. And very <laughs> uncontrollable. Like when they, 
when they are trapped <laughs> and they find the the plumbing the pipes the pipes and you remember they're like let's hit let's bang they use the word bang they said let's bang on these pipes yeah and maybe someone will hear us <laughs> right <laughs> and slowly they bang and it has this effect and slowly water starts coming out <laughs> until they bang on it enough that water uncontrollably shoots out and that for me was like that's that is masturbation <laughs> that's that scene is about masturbation <laughs> let's bang on these pipes until something comes out interesting yeah i can see that and like and even even in the like interim moments of that scene when they like or they're showing the effects of the pipes like above it's like oh oh whoa it's playing with this water fountain and like whoa it's doing something in this locker room shower where three men are yeah. standing naked and talking to each other mm-hmm. and then in the process of banging on the pipes and pulling on them they pull out the the handles for the showers basically revealing a whole bunch of glory holes <laughs> <laughs> the old men are like kind of shocked and surprised and like slightly frightened because <laughs> they're exactly. all repressed too they've all been exactly subject to the same restrictions <laughs> That's exactly right. Like, what is this thing that is like at my crotch level? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> yeah, that really made me laugh. Another early one. Mikey a couple times has problems with words. He says the wrong word. Mm-hmm. And the first one, he he's trying to say like um, distraction or diffusion or something. But he says the word dictation. But he doesn't just say the word dictation. He says dick dictation oh he kind of stutters over it yeah and he says the word dick interesting forget i forget the context of it but it was like the first time that like it's well brand brand uh it's brand with brand. a d okay. <laughs> <laughs> when brand is like doing uh he's like working on that weird uh bench press machine yeah <laughs> those weird 80s workout machines yeah there's definitely the sense of like hidden hidden knowledge and like um I don't know things just stowed away like there's the part where Rosalita is um getting a tour of the Walsh's house because she's going to be like helping them with their packing as mm-hmm. they you know have to move out of the Gundaks and Mouth is translating what, <laughs> what the mother is saying into Spanish and when she's like pointing to um pointing to the attic and saying like don't go up there there's a lot of like mis- like mr walsh's uh stuff or whatever mouth interprets it for rosalita and says yeah. that that's where he keeps his sexual torture devices yeah <laughs> sexual exactly. torture devices <laughs> yeah and i love that it's like it's this secret place and, and the mom says something like no one's allowed up there she's like but it's always open or something like that yeah. she like indicates that like someone's always going up there yeah, and apparently the kids have never gone until this particular moment uh-huh. when they're about to leave, and they're just, like, amazed at all this stuff. Yeah, and the fact that it's, like, basically an, an attic full of pirate memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> I see, like, several pirate wheels, like, pirate ship wheels. Yeah, it's, like, pirate memorabilia and, like, electric glass balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More balls. More balls that they just, they're, they're amazed at the electricity of them. Yeah, they're like moving their hands over it. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's responding. (laughs) And I wonder if the pirate is somehow like supposed to be this, like, is it it supposed to stand for anything? Like in this interpretation, is the pirate anything or is it just a device to have treasure? Because like pirates are like, 
I mean, you could say like pirates represent that that wild that wild mm-hmm. person who doesn't adhere to society's rules. They're right, like free. Right. Usually, pirates are all men. It's a ship full of men, seamen, mm-hmm. and seamen, <laughs> <laughs> like out in the open water, just prowling for things and stealing. Uh-huh. Right. And that's all they do. It's, yeah, it's like it's they almost probably have a lot of sexual exploits as well along the way. Probably that seems to be part of the mythos. <laughs> yeah, not like not nice ones either. Not nice ones. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think there's that sense. And then, especially in conjunction with the pirates being trapped, mm-hmm. it's like that is gone from the whole psychic development of adolescent yeah. boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I think we have to talk about sloth. Yeah. I think sloth is a penis. <laughs> like, like that's what I think sloth is. I think. I think just if because someone, he kind of looks like one, <laughs> kind of looks like one, and a couple things that are said to him, and sort of uh, this like relationship, mainly that I think we know the most about sloth because of Chunk. Yeah, um, Chunk. Be, Chunk befriends him. I mean, they're both kind of known by these these like nicknames these unflattering nicknames mm-hmm. and they form a partnership <laughs> mm-hmm. and sloth really looks like a penis. Yeah. I think especially like, like his head just kind of has this, this dome structure and yeah. there's no like one eyed willy at the top, but like he's uh-huh. just got this little poof of hair at the top. Yeah. That's always kind of, I don't know. It's always kind of disturbed me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems to have some kind of like unconscious resonance, and I'm not sure why, but I think you might be mm-hmm. onto it. Yeah, I really think that someone from the production team, probably the executive producer, Steven Spielberg, uh, <laughs> gave the art department the directions of make this person look like a penis, but don't make it too obvious. So yeah. they had to like figure out a way to like make his head weirdly dome-like. <laughs> And but like not make him bald, you know, like so they just did this weird little poof of hair. Yeah, it's like and I think complete. his head becomes like more dome like as the movie goes on. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> like I really think it does. Yeah, his whole face changes pretty much every scene. <laughs> yeah, as well as just the structure of his head. Exactly, and it's most likely that they they only shot like one scene for him each day, so it would have been very easy to each day just like make it more extreme. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, that actually, this is really making a lot of sense because <laughs> even watching this time, I was like, what, what's the deal with sloth? Like, why did yeah. they make this deformed, like mentally challenged man and just like put him into this movie? Like, was this just a a thing some guy decided to do or something? Yeah. But yeah, because at the beginning, everyone's terrified of him and mm-hmm. the Fratellis have locked him to the wall. They've chained, chained him, him to the yeah. wall. So he's kind of a stand-in for One-Eyed Willie in that sense. Yeah. He's, <laughs> exactly. he's been trapped in this room. <laughs> and <laughs> so funny. So when he finally escapes, and, and well, there's the fact that he's deformed too. Like there's uh-huh. like a lack of uh, development. Mm-hmm. Of of the penis or the relationship to yeah, exactly. to the penis, it's uh-huh. just a deformed, grotesque relationship. They can't bear to behold it, so they'd rather lock it to the wall. Yeah. And yet at the end, when Sloth comes and saves the day and screams, "Hey, you guys!" 
he rips his shirt off and he's wearing yep. a Superman shirt. Yeah. He's finally powerful and mm-hmm. able to, <laughs> because that yeah. comes in conjunction with them finding One-Eyed Willie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> like they have escaped. <laughs> they just mirror each other. Like Sloth is almost like a, a smaller version of the ship in some ways. It's like at the end, the ship is free and realized and the treasure presumably they're going to get the treasure and, and sloth is free and he's going to live with chunk and um <laughs> that that ripping of the shirt i'd never fucking understood like why the what did, that's a very weird part like superman and then i was like oh superman that's the english translation of the german word ubermensch which <laughs> it's not freud it's nietzsche but there's still this sense of like i have conquered or like i am i am now over or Overc- above overcome yeah 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 <laughs> That's true. I also thought it might be a little uh, little aside by the director Richard Donner, because mm-hmm. Richard Donner directed Reeve in Superman. Did he? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I think he might have been doing a little throwback to Reeve there. I see. So just, yeah. um, just a coincidence that it has German sexual implications. <laughs> Nietzsche, who was it? Yeah, oh, I think he was aware of it. <laughs> if he wasn't the executive producer who demanded that... <laughs> these themes be in there <laughs> see I, i'm slowly developing what i'm hoping to say eventually which is that all of this was at the command of steven spielberg i think yeah that's i very, want a movie very... about boys learning about sex <laughs> that's what i think steven spielberg screamed one day give me columbus <laughs> give me columbus you'll do as i say donner <laughs> so a great part i love chunk when he that, that kid did such an amazing job. I love that He's guy. He's incredible. He's so good. It's, it's the most incredible child performance I've ever seen. Like, yeah. it's a hysterical comedic role. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so. It's way funnier than most things. Like most comedic performances, and yeah, even the fact that he says when he's just admitting all the things he's done. I just love the way he says that line. But the worst thing I ever done. <laughs> <laughs> It has no sense that his grammar's messed up until that one line. It's really funny. Um, and the Fratellis start to like him. They They're do. Like, and the, but the mom's like, put it on puree. Yeah, she she wants to uh, stick his hand into a blender. Yeah. Reminded me very much of when Joe Pesci was about to bite off Macaulay Culkin's fingers. True. Another Columbus movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Columbus yeah. has some weird hang up with hands. mutilating children's hands. <laughs> Is there anything like that in Harry Potter? Oh, oh man. I feel like there is. Uh, <laughs> probably not in the books, probably just in the movies by Columbus. Yeah, he, he found some way to bring it into the movie. Or Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire. Uh, let's see. He did Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, let's see. She burns her latex body. Um, yeah, that's close enough. Yeah, there's got to be something. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Junk, he's, when he meets Sloth, Sloth is just like chained up, screaming like an animal, um, watching pirate movies, actually. Mm-hmm. And for me, Sloth, in, in that moment, first of all, the fact that his name is Sloth, um, Sloth is one of the seven deadly sins, along with Lust. Um, so I just kind of think it's, why they name him Sloth? Like, uh, anyway, whatever. Like, uh, could be nothing, but the fact is that there are seven deadly sins. One of them is Lust, and another is the name of the character. Um, so there could be some relation to, like, sinfulness, or, like, this is something to hide and to keep keep away from society Um, yeah or they see all his like energetic exuberant potential and so they try to shield him beneath a veneer of sloth of laziness 
by chaining him to a wall and they're like trying to create him into this like inaction trying to like tame him trying to tame him but repress he's got him. this pirate yeah repress him yeah. <laughs> he's got this pirate wildness yeah exactly and he has this un un ins- apparently insatiable energy um and even i think often associated with sexuality is appetite and hunger and the baby ruth First of all, it's very funny when they when when um, Chunk shows him the baby Ruth. The camera very intentionally at one point is just showing the word baby, which I th- I thought was kind of interesting. Like, is this like supposed to like is is that making some kind of statement about like development and yeah reborn s- yeah something. something yeah and- it does it does seem to have some kind of implications along these lines. <laughs> yeah, and, and when finally Sloth gets the. He, like, really wants the baby Ruth. He goes crazy for it. And when he finally gets it, Chunk says to him, you're even hungrier than I am. So just, like, driving home this fact that he has, like, an insatiable appetite. He rips off the chains, eats the candy bar, gives some to Chunk, lifts up Chunk, and Chunk smells. Chunk says, you smell like phys ed. (laughs) You smell like physical education, like gym. You smell like a a crotch, basically, is what he's saying. (laughs) sweaty crotch you smell like a sweaty crotch is like you smell like a penis it's basically what chunk was saying to this man who i i think there's no other way to see it than that sloth is simply he's the character form of a penis yeah it's gotta be right (laughs) it's gotta be right i love that yeah so and he directly represents the kids all coming into their own positive relationship with their at least the male characters with their penises. Yeah. Because, and then, you know, if, since it's Spielberg, who's probably misogynist and uh, Freudian, mm-hmm. all the all the females would just have penis envy. Right. <laughs> so it's like the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they all love sloth at the end and they protect him from the cops who want to kill him because they are also repressed <laughs> and afraid of anything that evokes <laughs> a penis. <laughs> You're right. What do they try? Do they try and arrest him? And like chunk? Yeah. Yeah, they think he's one of the Fratellis. That's and right. Chunk holds a pizza box in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like unabashed, like fat joke. Hey, it's right. seven in the morning. We found our kids. Oh, by the way, we had a pizza ready for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, let me think what else I have about Sloth. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone at one point says the line. Oh, never mind. Anyway, yeah, that's that might be about all all I have on slot. At one point, he says, "Hey, you guys," which I which mm-hmm. I I don't know that I don't think that line means anything, but it was just sort of interesting that that's like his rallying call that now people quote all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it really is amazing the way he delivers that line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he like saves the day. Yeah, it's like you can have a he healthy relationship to. with your penis, with your sexuality, your male sexuality, as long as you find. As long as you find one-eyed Willie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, I think, the funny thing is when we had this conversation about doing the Goonies, I I often confuse Sloth and One-Eyed Willie and think that Sloth's name is One-Eyed Willie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where, like, you reminded me that that was Sloth. But That's right. Yeah. yeah you you mistook, mistook the two. Yeah. But then you had the, the thing about One-Eyed Willie when Mikey meets One-Eyed Willie for the first time. Yeah, that's right. And he has like a, 
he has like a very intimate conversation with One-Eyed Willie the first time. Yeah. He meets him. He's like up there alone. He like has to go up. He like indicates to everyone that he has to go up there alone or something, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, just like everything's fine. Like I just need, need my time. Oh yeah. I, uh, I think he says I need a minute. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he says, <laughs> just give me a second. Just give me a second. <laughs> so he's like having this yeah, strangely intimate conversation with One-Eyed Willie and it always, the part always just kind of made no sense to me as a kid when suddenly there's a glow behind him and he turns around and all the characters are there. And Mikey says, like, how long have you guys been standing there? Is he looks really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like he's just been caught. Found out. He's like, oh, like he's been caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Brand's response is, long enough, Mikey, long enough. <laughs> I never knew what that meant. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is he talking about? But, <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that's. A converse, uh, that's like a response someone would have if they see their little brothers talking to their own penis. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, we get it now. We understand why this has meant so much to you. I know. It's like, uh, <laughs> like if it were just a kid having a conversation with this pair of, like, a, a set of skeletons, like a, a, you know, a pirate skeleton, it'd be like, I think, I don't think everyone would, like, stand there watching quietly. I think it'd be like, what are you doing? It's a skeleton. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it's a skeleton. they're kind of, like, in awe and they're like, uh oh, like secret, like we shouldn't make ourselves known. And it definitely Yeah, and the Go ahead, yeah. What's that? No, I was just gonna say like it has that feeling of caught being caught. Yeah. And they're all holding candles. Yep. <laughs> First of all, we have no idea where they got these candles. Yeah. Or how they lit them. <laughs> Good point. Uh, <laughs> but second of all, it's got this like ritual component to it. Almost like this is a sacred moment. Like we were all commemorating this moment when finally young Mikey is coming to terms with his own sexual identity yeah. by communicating with one-eyed Willie. And it's like right at that moment that the climax of the movie begins because the Fratellis like jump in right there and the final mm-hmm. fight yeah, happens. Yeah, because, yes, exactly. They're the final obstructive force yeah. against this total communication with one-eyed Willie and his his rich mm-hmm. stuff, his, tre- his, treasure. his treasure, which will save the goondocks. Save the goondocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's so, so funny with one-eyed Willie because like, Really, the movie is about getting enough money to save the the, the neighborhood, the Goondocks. But mm-hmm. the, but for Mikey, it's not a the treasure is only secondary. Like getting enough money to save his family is only secondary. Like he the, like for Mikey, the key moment of the movie is when he has that conversation with One Eyed Willie, and then only mm-hmm. after they're like grab treasure. And at one point, right. I think it's Mikey. He goes, he says, "I found marbles." Do you remember that? That's right. What the, yeah. Marbles don't matter. Sack of marbles. A sack of marbles. I found marbles. I think I think what he does is he has his marbles with mm-hmm. him and he he empties them out and then replaces it with the with the gems yeah. and then that's what the Fratellis yeah. didn't find that exactly. <laughs> saved saves the yeah. goodbye. The jewels. <laughs> the, ju- the jewels. A, a lot of these things are like euphemism <laughs> names for like sexual parts. Even marbles, jewels. Yes. <laughs> There'll be no signing today or ever. That line is so funny. It is. It just launches the ripped shreds of paper yeah. into the air. Exuberance. So something I wanted to say also about the candles is there is a moment when they find the candles. Do you remember that? Oh, there is. Oh, you mean the when they find the dynamite? Exactly. <laughs> Both yeah. candles and dynamite are phallic, but dynamite is incontrollable. You can't. Explosively phallic. Explosively phallic. A candle you can mm-hmm. control and is easy. But they don't. That's they true. don't. They can't tell the difference between what is controllable and what is out of their control. For me, uh-huh. and so that like still represents their their inability to like. They don't fully get it. They don't fully grasp the power of their sexuality. 
And then later they try and uh-huh. light a candle, but they accidentally light the dynamite. And then that's what, yeah, it's a, it's a funny that that accident, that explosive accident is what destroys the cave that has, that has hold, that has held one-eyed Willie prisoner for like 300 years. Right. And it allows them to escape. So that explosive, uncontrollable quality to sexuality is, is necessary. <laughs> <laughs> It can't all be controlled because that's a sure route to repression. Uh-huh. That's yeah. keeping you in the cave. Exactly. <laughs> you need that crazy chaotic part of it in order to become the full manifestation of the self. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this movie has a good theme, a good sexual theme. <laughs> and Mikey, uh, his his character arc, you know, you mentioned that's the climactic moment when he's speaking to One-Eyed Willie. And his character arc is kind of shown through, he's got this like asthma yeah. and he's yeah. got this like <laughs> inhaler yeah. with little like getting into oral fixation there. Uh-huh. Cause like anytime he's nervous, he just like sticks it in his mouth and like cal- it calms him. And at the very end, after Andy says that line to him that I mentioned earlier about <laughs> parts of him not working so good, <laughs> catching up to the ones that do, super ambiguous, he gets nervous and takes out his inhaler, but he just kind of looks at it and says, ah, who needs it? And throws it. Yep. So he's finally past the stage of oral fixation. Yes, he is. And he's moving on in his sexual development <laughs> that has been stunted due to the British. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. That, There's so much. There is so much. And I just want to go back real quick to that that idea that maybe this movie <laughs> advocates for a for like a golden mean with sexual control. You don't want to repress it. Um, <laughs> you don't want to repress it like sloth, but the fact that it's also explosive. And then we ha- when so- when sloth saves the day, he's he's a wild man, but he is without a doubt in control and he's rational. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true because with the dynamite, uh-huh. it actually cr- it it knocks that huge ass boulder down to block the way mm-hmm. so the dynamite itself does not pave the way for the exit like it does open this hole but <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a big freaking stone blocking the hole uh-huh. and the only way out is <laughs> to take this penis <laughs> named sloth <laughs> and exert have it exert some control uh-huh. and it has extreme power i mean <laughs> yeah. all these kids are trying to lift this stone but they can't do anything but sloth is able to uh-huh. but it's in control and uh, acting with benevolence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just love as Chunk is leaving, he then like comes back and, and describes how, how important Sloth is to him. And he's like, strangely, like he's like sticking out of like Sloth's like leg. They have to crawl under his legs too, which has they a to, certain... They all crawl. Yeah. Yeah. They crawl under his legs. And when, when Chunk comes back out to grab Sloth's hand, his head is exactly at crotch level yeah it's right there <laughs> it's like two inches from sloth's real penis yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah on the- so um is it time to connect to the executive producer yeah i think so um i just think i, d- I don't know you you know we like to <laughs> we, we like we've kind of created like an alternate spielberg um, I like how you and I have no problem just like assuming Spielberg things. And, and I don't really know why we do that. Um, cause I, I think we respect him as a filmmaker, but we, we also kind of like joke about him a lot. 
Yeah. Or at least we respect him in his early days as a filmmaker. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we'd like to make this joke that he's just a complete, like, psychotic, like, just horrible man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He somehow has, like, nothing horrible has come out about him, but he's probably, like, but he, a terrible person. Shia LaBeouf doesn't like him. We know that. Shia LaBeouf doesn't like him. Yeah, he's so... I mean, he's he's got to be, like, maybe the most powerful man in Hollywood. Yeah, probably. Like, he's, he's top five, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Him and... uh disney man bob bob Iger, or whatever the fuck his name is <laughs> disney man <laughs> but spielberg has i feel like he has so much power that he'd he'd very much be able to like prevent anything coming out about his actual psychosis yeah. which no one sees on the set you only see it in the deep rooms of spielbergian nightmare reality yeah <laughs> yeah and I know that. So this was movie. This movie was made in the eighties. It was made right around the time of the Temple of Doom. Um, oh which we, yeah. Because remember, uh, um, Data. That's where. Ki like, Hoi Kwan. Yeah, I forget which movie came first. Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. I'm pretty sure it came out in eighty four, and this was eighty five. Yeah. So we know that. Um, we know that Spielberg has just basically exited, to use a cave metaphor, his the dark period in his life. He and Lucas had this dark period in the early eighties. That's really funny. That's uh, right. <laughs> like, They're both going through like divorces, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that they use that as an excuse as to why they made Indiana Jones. So frightening. Um, <laughs> or the temple of doom. Yeah. And rated it PG. So kids would see it. <laughs> <laughs> what was our, what again was our take on that movie? What was our, our deep cultish take? Was that also a, we might have also gotten Freudian with that one because it takes place in the young, underworld. Jungian. The underworld. We got very it. Jungian with that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fucking funny that these two movies, these two Spielberg movies, like we took Jung on one and Freud on the other, which is so funny. That's true, yeah. It's like, just, I feel like, yeah, like the Jung one was so dark and almost like, I think we we made the connection that it sort of mirrored that dark time in Jung's life like and like various images from the red book like his dreams yeah. and they're just right, like dark right. and scary. And yeah, where he, he had... entered the depths of the shadow unconscious. <laughs> yeah. And then the Freudian one is is childlike, you know, like and and he very much I feel like, you know, he he distilled so much down to the child experience and and that's mm-hmm. kind of what like um that's what the Goonies is. It's so childlike. I mean, it's a kids movie. Yeah, because um, each movie is like a travel into the the underworld, like the the depths of this cave. Yeah, and like finding what they discover. And in, in <laughs> Temple of Doom, they discovered nothing but sheer horror. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in the Goonies, they discover one-eyed Willie, <laughs> inspiration and joy. <laughs> wow, that kind of seems to sum up in a very very uh, broad way. Jung versus Freud. <laughs> it really does. It really does because that's why Jung broke with Freud was because yeah. he just limited everything to the sexual. And Jung was like, uh, I think there's a little more, Sigmund. <laughs> a little more happening here. It's like, no, it's all about the penis. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah. And um, so like, it, just, it just strikes me that like after... <laughs> After Spielberg went through this horrible dark time in his life, he then fell in love with uh I forget I forget her name, but she played Oh 
Yeah, she played. The, yeah, the girl from the Temple of Doom. Exactly, and maybe it made maybe it lifted his spirits a little more, and he sort of underwent a certain sexual awakening in his <laughs> awakening in his own life, and he was like called Columbus on the phone. He's like, Get over here, bring Donner, <laughs> and he mandated to them, "You two have to make a, I, a, you need to make a coming of age child's movie like E.T. because I like I like when kids discover something and mystery. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you need to make it loaded with sexuality." And he screamed that at them. <laughs> And then every day, while they were chained to a wall, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he had George Lucas dressed in a in a gimp outfit, chain them to a wall. <laughs> there were lightsabers on the walls. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about phallic, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this light, yeah. There's part at the end when Mikey's on. Uh, one-eyed Willie's ship and he like pulls out a sword mm-hmm. from one of the dead guys and he's like fascinated with moving this sword mm-hmm. a little bit of phallic imagery there yeah when and andy tells him to put it away and have some respect ah uh-huh yes <laughs> when uh data sends those chompers at pantaleone i forget his name but i like calling him pantaleano pantaleano pantaleano's balls do you see cypher <laughs> cypher <that's it. laughs> you remember remember how he tries to get the chompers off his balls um no he tries to pry them off with a sword oh like, wow you're right what are you doing this like it's like <laughs> almost like this you're you're either like you either suffocate your balls or you castrate yourself like it's <laughs> are you... either way it's not a good relation exactly. to your balls yeah it's very immature very immature and it remains immature for the fratellis because once they find one-eyed willie and mama says thank you mr willie thank you and another kind of dramatic communication with one-eyed willie Mm -hmm. they just go crazy about getting this treasure and they're just getting everything they possibly can and they set off like a a booty trap oh yeah as a result um where everything starts collapsing although i think that actually releases the that actually raises the anchor it does raise the anchor yeah what does yeah and then so it sails away yeah huh oh oh well Hmm. oh well we can there there are a couple mistakes in that scene or at least one that i know of where uh originally there was supposed to be an octopus a giant octopus in that scene uh-huh and, yep you can find that video on youtube yeah that's right yeah and, it's a really good idea that they took it out because it's, it's probably the fakest thing i've ever seen in my life just <laughs> the octopus <laughs> i've seen pictures and it does just it's this weird rubber octopus yeah hmm. and that has uh that that little scene has um some i mean there's the whole sexual underpinning between the relationship of mouth and steph uh-huh yeah where um there seems to be some kind of tension there and in that deleted scene mouth is like following steph through the water through or towards the ship and the octopus its tentacles are like like grazing against steph's leg and she just keeps saying like cut it out mouth cut it out mm. like and then it like wraps her and brings her underwater and almost kills her. Yeah, I, I thought about that. You know, it's so funny because I'm glad that I'm glad I remembered about the octopus. I totally forgot about it, but like the data mentions it at the end. Like the octopus. Remember that? Uh-huh. Um yeah. and it just got me thinking, this is probably reading too much into it, but there's something kind of sexual about the idea of an octopus. Um and then I got to thinking how many men are in that scene. And it's eight men. <laughs> Is it's, it? You have the four kids and then Brand. And then you have the two Fratellis and Sloth. <laughs> so you do have eight men um, 
kind of in that scene. I think that's reading too much into it, but I just had. I, I had actually fun. was I was already thinking that. I was like, how many men yeah. are in that scene? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So in typical Spielberg fashion, I think the women get shortchanged. Yeah, of course. And they're basically just like love interests. Um, they scream a few times. Andy's kind of a yeah. Andy's a damsel in distress, mm-hmm. more or less. Yeah. Um, she you know gets thrown off the. She's forced to walk the plank by Mama, and Brand has to jump in to save mm-hmm. her. Um, Steph gets a little bit of something. She punches Mama in the face. Yeah, she does. But and she, it definitely seems like a male centric movie. It is, and I I kind of hesitate to go too much into the female characters because I feel like I feel like that's just a big can of worms. I could be wrong, but like what, like the purpose they serve, I'm not quite sure of, you know what I mean? Like there's this, yeah. there, Steph and mouth constantly have this like sexual tension, but then it's like, you know, and, and then with Andy, it's kind of funny that, that both uh brand and Mikey kiss her. And it's, I don't know if it's that brother issue again or, or what the point is, or, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, and then Troy yeah. with the well, he's like talking, he's just like being in like bro, like 17 year old bro talking yeah, about having yeah. sex with Andy. Yeah. This guy's like, do you make it with her, man? <laughs> and then, and then, and then she, she sends her like Letterman jacket back up, up the well. And she goes, mm-hmm. Andy, you goonie. <laughs> he calls her a goonie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's racist against goonies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just had that like kind of objective object uh object kind of sense to the women like their presence in there mm-hmm. i feel like it's it's used in some ways to to show that that brand has a certain deeper understanding of sexuality because it's clear that he's like into her and when they go to the bathroom mm-hmm. he even goes to the men's room yeah yeah mikey's Leads everyone to the little boy's room, but Brand declares there's the Uh men's room. And then everyone follows him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's another point where one of those booty traps is going down and a counterweight falls. And it's two rocks in a net and it really looks like a ball sack. (laughs) 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 I just like it was very quick and it made me laugh. Yeah. I would implore our listener to watch this movie again because if it's been a while, our listener might think like this is like a Rorschach plot yeah. type of thing and it's telling more about us than the movie itself. But I have a feeling if you actually watch this movie and look for this stuff, it's going to be very, very hard for you to deny the validity of 100% of what we're saying. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> like, And there's so much that I even I missed without a doubt. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's there's tons mm-hmm. more. But I mean, just the very fact that they're searching for one-eyed Willie, yeah. like, there's no way that that term came to mean a penis after 1985. Yeah. Like, that's probably been an enduring term for a, for a penis for <laughs> yeah, some time. Yeah. And there a lot of bones. At one point, Andy has to play the, play the piano, the organ, and someone says, play the bones. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way bones and boners would just, like, <laughs> came to mean penises after this movie as well. Like, there are so many instances like that. That's right. There's again. It's just like this. A lot of movies address mystery and um, the supernatural, and this movie is definitely one of those. But it just does it with a certain like sexual awe to it, 
And if not a sexual awe, mm-hmm. then like sexual innuendo. And that's enough to really make it feel that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I really think you're right. It's like, yeah, you could listen to the stuff we're saying and be like, God, these, you know, oh, like these guys are sexually repressed <laughs> or else like, <laughs> and they just really want to talk about sexual awakening or, but like, right. if you watch it with just a little <laughs> bit in mind of what we've said, I, I, I really think people are going to find a, a lot. And you're right. The, I mean, the biggest one by far, uh, one-eyed Willie, they could have named that, that, that pirate anyone something yeah. beard big hat you know yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> eye patch <Yeah>. guy <laughs> yeah that's spielberg that's spielberg yeah. so so you see it then in the due to the spielberg biographical <laughs> fact that he found his wife at this particular time in his life so you You'd see it then as like an allegory of a, like a sexual awakening that he was experiencing. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that until we just started re- like comparing this to the Temple of Doom. Um, initially, my mind was just like he just wanted this. He just wanted a story about boys who learn about sex. But if you do that in like a, like a typical way, like about boys, it like it's like a drama. He's like he wanted a Spielberg movie, mm-hmm. but he wanted it all about sex. Without it being mm-hmm. overtly sexual. So he made Columbus. Right. He's like, go get some Freud books. Go learn about this stuff. Now get out. Get out. Now write me a script now. <laughs> <laughs> and if this pirate isn't named One-Eyed Willie, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I will murder you. <laughs> now get out of my mansion and shut the gate. <laughs> And don't tell anyone what you've seen. (laughs) (laughs) I guess before we end, though, you said earlier that we got to talk a little bit about Feldman. Yeah. So, (laughs) uh, and this is like much more serious and it's it's much more in line with like the Me Too stuff uh, of recent, recent months. And it's that for years, Corey Feldman has been like pegged as this like kind of loony former child actor who just says this weird stuff. Cause he would say that like <laughs> aspects of Hollywood or people in Hollywood or Hollywood as a machine is like, uh, a, a sexually abusive and yeah. that there are like pedophiles running these major studios mm-hmm. and preying on children. He's like, I, and I was preyed on. And interesting thing he he was friends with Michael Jackson, Corey Feldman mm-hmm. was as a child, and he said Michael Jackson never did anything like that. You know, yeah. Michael, I, and a lot of stories I've heard is like Michael Jackson probably had a certain sense of like arrested development because he just kind of had like a child. child. He was kind of a child, yeah, yeah. But he never abused anyone. And McCullough Culkin said the exact same thing. And it's like he both, understood them. Yeah, <laughs> he knew what they were going through because he had gone through it <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Corey Feldman and to a degree, actually Macaulay Culkin as well spoke out about how Hollywood is, is full of sexual predators who prey on children. Macaulay Culkin's said that too. I don't know if Macaulay Culkin ever said that, but Macaulay Culkin definitely talks about the, the ways that children are vastly mistreated Mm -hmm. and basically like emotionally abused in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. There was just a certain sense of irony that Maybe maybe not irony. Maybe it just made me think about it because this movie has to do with sexuality and young men. Um, yeah, but it's it's just kind of 
it's it's been interesting to see that like for years Corey Feldman was like you're you know he's a lunatic, and it's like no everything he said was serious yeah and true and we're really learning that now it's all coming out now yeah yeah because I mean it's becoming very clear that Hollywood is like a landscape of sexually depraved and immoral men yeah like doing horrible things but it's still it's still largely only come out with regard to like treatment of women and like mm-hmm. i guess in, in the case of kevin spacey though like it kind of True. got more into like the pedophilia yeah realm. um but yeah i mean with cory feldman having i mean he's come out about this stuff for like a decade yeah and like you said like the whole fucking world being a bunch of like idiots uh-huh. just like cast him aside as a freak and he's just like kept saying things and i mean now <laughs> it's it's like incredible it's like man this dude yeah. like so ahead of things and like what he's saying like he's not just like making this shit up <laughs> no like, like, this happened to him and he wants the truth out yeah and like i was watching interviews with him like in lieu of watching this movie and like he just, he talks about it to like everyone and he's trying to make a movie about it yeah. right now he's like trying to fund a movie and he says in this movie he will like expose the truth of who these people are wow. and like he keeps he keeps hinting just these high level people like these high level executives who have like abused him and and again maybe spielberg is is as great as like his movies maybe he's as innocent as et you know but like there's also the fact that he's immensely powerful like you said he's one of the most powerful men and it's it's just tends to be the case often that power leads to a certain corruptness Uh uh-huh so who knows yeah who knows who knows but (laughs) of course there's the rumor that tom hanks is like in charge of all this have you heard about this yeah that's that's part of the uh the q anon oh yeah yeah Which is weird because that whole thing, which is like a super hardcore Trump uh-huh. conspiracy theory thing, is that like the world is run by pedophiles. Yeah. Like a pedophile ring. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> which, I don't know. It's a, That's a dark road to go down. That's yeah. a dark cave to enter. Exactly. Without a doubt. But yeah, I think they implicate Tom Hanks specifically. <laughs> uh, I guess it's not a laughing matter, but just the idea of Tom Hanks. Being a bad person, I think, is because he's so beloved. Yeah, he is so completely mm-hmm. beloved. Then again, Morgan Freeman was very beloved. Yeah, he's, good point. Good point. <laughs> to a certain degree, Louis C.K. was beloved as like this. Oh, he's just a nihilistic, existential old fat guy. Like, uh, mm-hmm. he's also a horrible person. <laughs> but I wanted to bring up. I saw a tiny bit. Uh, someone showed me a tiny bit of his his movie that was supposed to come out. Like, have you heard about this movie? Yeah, it was like supposed to come out like pretty much right when all the stuff came to light. Yes, it was set to come out literally one week after all this stuff came to light about him. So it never was released. But it's called I Love You, Daddy. And do you know anything about it? No. It's um, it's about a TV writer, Louis C.K., and like his relationship with like his daughter who's like going through adolescence and apparently a lot of the movie becomes about his daughter who's played by Chloe Grace Moretz um who in the opening scene with her she's just walking around her house in a bikini uh so it's very yeah it feels very like hmm. uh what like i feel like yeah. i feel like if you like watch this movie even before you knew anything about Louis CK you'd just be like huh what that's kind of weird kind of yeah oddly whatever uh but um so, and then John Malkovich is in the movie and he plays, 
he plays like literally a version of Woody Allen. And <laughs> apparently when you meet John Malkovich, he's at a women's clothing store and the Louis C.K.'s daughter, Chloe Grace Moretz, is there and she's like knows him. She's like, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I come here. It's a good place to meet young women. And then they form a relationship oh and they God. go on a trip together. And she's supposed to be 17 in the movie. So like the movie is like kind of about like Woody Allen. And apparently it's supposed to be like, that's crazy. Woody Allen was kind of crazy. I'm Louis C.K. <laughs> what the hell? Fucking weird movie. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it, but Just... someone exp- I saw like two scenes and someone explained it to me. Damn. Seems like that was kind of meant to come in conjunction with <laughs> Louis C.K. being yeah. revealed to be somewhat, or maybe more than somewhat, sexually depraved. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. <sighs> <Pretty> gross. <laughs> yeah, and and I feel like the, the probably the only person, uh, or maybe the only like mainstream director in Hollywood who like really understands that and likes to play into that is Lynch. Yeah, maybe Fincher as well. <laughs> Maybe Fincher, yeah. But definitely uh, Kubrick was maybe getting there, but mm-hmm. he died. Yeah. <laughs> and like, just as a last mention of um, an interesting conspiracy theory I came upon mm. is that uh, Kubrick's last movie was Eyes Wide Shut, uh-huh. which ex- is about Tom Cruise finding this like deeper layer of like basically a sexual, yeah. like sexual hidden sexual culture, and. Lots. There's a bunch of people that believe that Kubrick was revealing the truth, and the reason that he died right after that movie is he got murdered. (laughs) (laughs) I think that (laughs) he showed too much, and he got killed. Kubrick is just like he's like most of his career was just living in torment at the at the conspiracies that he was helping to hide. (laughs) That his movies were like revealing those. Yeah, he was at once hiding and revealing like the truth <laughs> yeah. of what was happening. Yeah. And he was Spielberg talks about him like they were friends. Oh yeah. They and, uh yeah. yeah AI. Was, AI was like a collaboration. Yeah, yeah. It was like originally Kubrick was gonna direct it. And then he died. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think that Spielberg murdered him. <laughs> <laughs> and now he now we were friends. <laughs> we were great friends. Too bad his heart attack yeah. had him sent him away. <laughs> Just a couple of filmmakers in the 70s. Just good pals. Yeah, just coming up together. Mm -hmm. I murdered him. (laughs) Because he exposed the truth about me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, I think we've gotten into into the Goonies. Wow. Ooh, that was a trip. And I love it. Yeah, that was probably the most, like detail-oriented hermeneutic we've done yeah. in this podcast. Yeah, and speaking for myself, I can't say it's because I'm particularly good at that. I think it had to do with the material. Yeah. It was laid out in front of us. Right there. Yeah. Like, you have to actually try to ignore it if you're not going to see yeah, it. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to talk about Happy Gilmore without talking about golf in any way. Like, yeah, you can't <laughs> right. do that. Yeah, or Chubbs' his hand. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to notice it. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> mm. I, I, I tell you what this did for me. This this really, it made me want to find another movie that we can go as far in. Or maybe we just have to start looking at more movies with kind of this in mind. I, I don't really know where to take it from here, but it's this has lit a spark in me that I won't let Spielberg t- extinguish. <laughs> Even though he probably will murder me. 
He probably will. Yeah. yeah. If we release this podcast, one of us will be dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Well, um, listener, we hope that you uh, you avoid the booty traps on your quest for One-Eyed Willie. Yeah. As you continue plumbing the depths of these caves that the British sealed off. Yeah. That you may find the treasure outside mm. the walls of repression. Yeah. Yeah, I think Roland Emmerich gets it. He doesn't like yeah. the British. Yeah, he doesn't like the British. And, and he thinks that the French like... are a little flippant. <laughs> <laughs> flippant. That's a good word for it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we uh, wish you luck on your Goonie journey. <laughs> and I hope you just like, like, li- like kind of treat your emotions and your desires with a certain sense of uh, calm logic and care. Mm-hmm. That way you don't... Don't let them get the best of you. Don't let them get the best of you, you know. They're not dynamite. Nah, exactly. But they're not candles. No. They're somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. Yeah, they're sloth. <laughs> sloth. <laughs> Well, good job, Columbus. Uh, I think he did. He did an amazing job. If, if in fact this was his intention, he did an amazing job getting these themes in there. Yeah, in yeah. in both subtle and obvious ways. Yep, yep. Well done, Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listener. Well, as always, we thank you, and we hope you join us next time. Indeed. Very well. Bye.